Greetings, you are now listening to the McCuffey Croncast. Stand by for your hosts, Brian Murphy and Doug Bruzzoni. They will be discussing your favorite baseball squadron, the San Francisco Giants. Take it away, Brian and Doug. Welcome, it's the final McCovey Croncast ever? Maybe, I don't know, but joining me is, uh, joining me and Doug. Doug, hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, joining us is Grant Brisby, who you may know from SB Nation and previously of this podcast, and of course, McCovey Chronicles. Grant, welcome to your podcast that you created. You might know me from such memorable posts as the time I embedded a John Morosi tweet and pretended it was content. <laughs> Do you think that was the inspiration for Trill Ballin's uh, musical replays of, of Darren Ravel tweets? <laughs> like an inspiration for those? I No, no, um, probably not, but those are really funny. They really are. I mean, you can't, you can't really translate it to a uh, podcast format, but uh, <laughs> look look those up. Musical variations of Darren Roll tweets. Um, they're fantastic. Um, I have Darren Ravel blocked, so I it's, it's bliss in that sense, but I guess you are missing out on that. Anyway, the San Francisco Giants, that's what we're here to talk about. Uh, they, they were eliminated from existence about a month, about five weeks ago now. Um, and... They head into the offseason, you know, they're they're going to they're aiming for their 84 wins and then get lucky and go from there. Um, but there's been some interesting news, gold gloves and um, uh, yeah, gold gloves and favorite players not returning. I think we've had two podcasts since this happened, but I think even though we wrote about it on the site, let's take a minute to talk about how Gregor Blanco is gone. He was a he was a very very nice security blanket to have for many years. Well, I mean he was he was terrible last year, but uh, he was he gave the Giants so 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 much more than they ever could have hoped. And it's players like him who make other teams hate the Giants, and I love it. <laughs> Defense, hey. uh, left-handed hitting, and on-base percentage, and basically for free off of off the scrap heap. Yeah, and he won two World Series. Like, he was a starting outfielder for two different World Series. It was... He wasn't just a starting outfielder. It was kind of like a, ah, sh- uh, uh, this guy kind of starting outfielder. <laughs> it was like, that. that's the best part is that, like, Milky Cabrera was, like, the reason the Giants were going to win the World Series. He was so <laughs> good. And it turns out he was just juiced to the gills, and, and, and then they suspended him. And I thought, I mean... Didn't they suspend him after the Dodgers swept the Giants? Like, didn't wasn't there just kind of like a one-two punch where you you kind of got hit in the privates with Giants? No, news I, you- I don't think it was right after. If I'm remembering right, it was after a seven-two win that was the only time the Giants had their full lineup because <laughs> somebody came back from injury. Maybe I don't remember exactly who. And then and they had the, their full lineup for one day, and then Cabrera was gone. That's right. That's right. And that's when I realized the Giants would never, ever win another World Series. <laughs> but Blanco, Blanco is the guy. Blanco filled in and he's, you know, like he's hitting triples and stuff in the World Series. Like he, he was he was a fun player to watch, except for last year. Oh, man. I mean, he killed he probably killed more rallies than timely you know, timely pop culture reference, but essentially <laughs> <laughs> he was, he couldn't hit a sack fly. He, 
he used to, for me, it was always sort of like, I don't remember him. I'm sure you're going to be able to pull up the stats right away. I don't remember him being such a ground ball machine, but last year he really was. Um, and he couldn't, he couldn't advance runner. Like he couldn't do anything even with his outs making, which used to be one of his useful skills. Like, oh, need a sack fly. He could actually do that. Move the runner along. He could actually do that. Um, and I don't even think last year uh, he even did that cool trick where he'd kind of yank the ball or kind of flare it uh, over the third baseman's head, get that running start out of the box. I, I He just looked inert. Really bad. <laughs> I mean, you remember at the end of April, he was hitting like 350. He was like, again, once again, he's the world's best fourth outfielder. And we're all just spoiled and... You know, I want to say like close to the All Star break, he was he was hitting sort of league average, or you know, at some he was okay for a while, and then he was so bad over the last uh, couple of months. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. He was two for his last twenty five, and I don't remember those two. <laughs> well, he got he got hurt in May sometime, and he just kept playing through it. Like the Giants didn't have other outfielders, and Bruce Bochy was like, "Yeah, this is." This is fine. If only I, I don't have an internet comment, you know, comic to reference here that would get that would get that point across of like a dog somewhere saying something was fine. But Bruce <laughs> Bochy just this is fine. It, as long as we're on the internet memes, uh, from July first on, he had sixty nine at bats. Nice, nice. I hated them. I hated them all. They were not nice. <laughs> Eleven for sixty nine. <laughs> did he hit? Did he start the triple play? Probably. I mean, just go. Just no, go. no. The triple play must have been hit well. So he could, it couldn't have been him. <laughs> Man. I'm, I'm looking that up right now. I'm glad that we've basically... Oh, it was Brandon Crawford hitting into the triple play. That does make it... That is why it was pretty awful all the way around. <laughs> um, but I think there was a point in that game where, where... I think it was the previous inning maybe where Blanco screwed up or something anyway too. But, uh, yeah, but we're talking all the bad stuff. I, everyone's just going to hone in on the fact that he made that catch to preserve the perfect game, which really is spectacular. And probably out of the out of the Giants in the 21st century, he was probably the only outfielder who could have made that catch. Did they have any other, besides Barry Bonds, did they have any other outfielders who were, who were left-handed in the field? I, I'm trying to think. And I think that's the only reason why he was able to make that catch because he had the glove on his right hand. Yeah, I, I think you just inadvertently made me realize that I have no idea which outfielders catch with which hand. <laughs> like, no, I, yeah, I just thought Nate Schultz. No, no. I'm very aware of what handedness players are, and if they put batting gloves on their damn hands. <laughs> That's when I was in college. One of my friends was like, "Yeah, blah blah blah," and and, and he's married. And I said, "How do you know he's married?" And, and he says, "Well, he wears a ring." And it, like it was like a, it blew my mind. Like, wait, you can check that? Like what? Like <laughs> I just had these blinds. I'm an idiot when it comes to things like that. Now I'm looking back and going, like, I have no idea who throws with what hand and and that stuff. So, thanks, guys. You're welcome. Uh, that was an Arrested Development joke too, where Heather Graham was uh, Michael Sarah's substitute teacher and he says to no one in particular he just says out loud softly no ring <laughs> well then then later in that episode when when jason bateman meets her he he does the same thing goes oh, oh. no ring <laughs> so call back I forgot about that very good <clears throat> so 
you know, Gregor Blanco, I think he's worth talking about because until this year, when we hated all the Giants and the entire team <laughs> and everything they stood for, he was not just a good Giant. He was a remarkable Giant because of all the things we've mentioned. And uh, and when certain players go, I think we're, we're relieved. Like, oh, it's good that Javier Lopez is going to hang him up because he was bad. But, you know, at this, it, it was time. But at the same time with Blanco, he's like 32. And, uh, you know, he's a fun guy. And it's just kind of weird that it just one day he's just not a useful player anymore. You know, Lopez is 37, you know, and he did one thing and he never really, you know, he relied on location and he lost his location. That's what happens with pitchers. All their stuff ends in tears and usually quickly as well. But Blanco... That backup thing, he just stopped even being a viable backup, and I think that's the hardest part. <laughs> like, he just yeah. stopped being useful altogether. I think he can still be that player for another team next year. Like, I'm not necessarily ready to bury him alive, but uh, I, he was just going to be just that much too expensive for the Giants to take a risk on him being that bad again. Um, so it's it's you got to remember the good times and just how how good he was and how kind of uh, emblematic he was of the Giants just uh, finding money and coats they haven't worn in a while and just seeming like the luckiest idiots in the world. And that's, that's oversimplifying it because they scouted Blanco. They got him for a reason. They fixed him. But it still looks like uh, he was, he's just a, a complete find for a team that maybe wasn't expecting him. Anyway, yeah, so, I mean, let's talk about another thing that the Giants haven't had in a while, and that's the they win three gold gloves for the first time since 1994. Um, Brandon Crawford, I feel like he's getting this in just under the wire. He, he wins, um, he continues to be the, you know, excellent shortstop in the National League, and I feel like the arrival of Corey Seager kind of spells the end of Brandon Crawford being talked about. At least it felt that way in stretches this year. But, uh, you know, Brandon Crawford, we all know he's he's one of the best, really is one of the best. Uh, and Buster Posey, we know, is the best, and he won a gold glove. And then the surprise of surprises and I think it's really just tied to 2014 for some reason. Joe Panic won the Gold Glove, so um, that, I wasn't expecting that. And I don't think Joe Panic was expecting that, or his immediate family. <laughs> I feel like it makes it a lot easier for the Giants to get Andrew Miller from the Yankees now, though. Trading Joe Panic now that he has a Gold Glove, that all that all still makes sense, right? So, yeah, just uh, <laughs> mail that back in time, and the Giants are. You know, even year. <laughs> uh, tug the collar. But, you know, I think we want to talk about Buster Posey here because Buster Posey did not have the main cog of the offense type of season, despite being the main cog of the offense. But start to finish, he was clearly the best catcher um, in the National League and probably the best catcher in baseball. And when you watch other guys, like watching the Cubs play through these playoffs, it was a little embarrassing how they stole strikes. There was nothing subtle about what quote-unquote pitch framing is these days. And I think Buster Posey actually does have a little bit of artistry to him um, than pretty much all the other catchers, even the ones you might say are really good at it as well. But uh, he's really impressive, and he was clearly hurt, but... Uh, so that hurt his bat, but you know, defensively, 
you're not going to find anyone better. And I, I'm, I'm glad to see that that's just that's now just the norm for baseball. Yeah, I, I don't think he's necessarily the best at blocking pitches. And that's sort of one of the things that that you can you can judge as a fan from home is, is how catchers get in front of the ball. And there's not like a lot of defensive statistics you can glom onto for catchers. So for a while, I think Posey was just sort of average. You know, he's not terrible at blocking balls in the dirt or anything like that. Uh, and he had to catch Lincecum and, and Jonathan Sanchez, who maybe made it look a little bit worse than he was. Uh, but now you've got the pitch framing statistics and they're, they're variable. They go up and down. They're all over the place uh, for most catchers. But Posey's at the top or near the top every single year. And it kind of jives with what you're watching, just how the subtle artistry, like you were saying, he's just, he's outstanding. And the one piece that was missing was the, the gaudy caught stealing percentage. And he had that this year. So it was the, uh, the full package. And I think when you go on the Sabre site and they have that defensive statistic, uh, this kind of aggregate stat that they base a lot of the awards on now, he's, three times as valuable as the next closest catcher. Like he just blows Grandall out of the way. Yadier Molina's, you know, almost toward the bottom. And Posey's like at the top, just like dominating the rest of the catching world. And, you know, to be clear, Yasmani Grandall and, and Yadier Molina are fantastic catchers. So again, to put in perspective, if anyone's wondering, like Buster Posey is still head and shoulders above two outstanding uh, defensive catchers. Um, and it, it was probably, you know, the Giants have a lot of stabilizing things on their roster that is that are just good. Like, they have good bones, essentially. Right. <laughs> so whatever they wind up building around those things, they're excellent uh, starting points. That's going to make it so much more painful when they sign Jose Bautista for four years. Oh, I guess we can transition into that. But I did want to remark <laughs> that did Joe Panic seemingly... Did he really stand out this year defensively? That I mean, I probably watched all the. I mean, I watched too many games this year, <laughs> but uh, it's entirely possible that I did not watch Joe Panic closely enough. It, it was uh, a big part of it was the statistical component, the Saber stat uh, defensive index or whatever. That's a part of the Gold Gloves now. I think it's a third. Uh, he was the best second baseman in the National League according to that. And if you get, you know, a couple of – I don't even know who votes for the Gold Gloves anymore. It's like part managers, coaches, right? Like it's a consortium, right? It's Right, right. And so if they see, you know, Panic make a play while they're in town, I mean, it kind of skews their, their perspective. I mean, I thought it was D.J. LeMahieu. Every time the Giants hit a stupid ball on that stupid infield against the Rockies, <laughs> it's like Arenado or Trevor Story making a great play or LeMahieu. I hate them all. Like, they're just all so good. So I just – I kind of wrote it off and thought it was LeMahieu's – I mean, he won the batting title. How can he not win a gold glove? He won the batting title. <laughs> They are they are one to one. No, he he hit well enough to win it. So yeah. you would think. Uh, so that so, was definitely definitely surprised. But I think it's the stats that really got panic over. And I think Matt Duffy still rates very highly on those same sort of defensive measures as well for third base. So it would have been interesting to see if he's there. But you know, I don't think if if uh, Nunez is staying at third base, I think the Giants that whole I think the whole infield is going to be as good as it was expected to be heading into last year and how good it's been very recently. I think Nunez is a fine third baseman. Um, and, hey, Joe Panic statistically fantastic as well. Uh, so, yeah. 
so great bones that the Giants have to kind of go through offensively. I think we all knew that they had. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Okay. I just remembered something uh, real quick while we we're talking about Buster Posey and Yossi Man and Grandal. I just wanted to take a quick moment before he segued to laugh at the Padres for trading away Yasmani Grandal, <laughs> division rival, for a garbage DH who didn't work out for them, and now he's gone. And he's like a, what, 27-year-old switch-hitting catcher? Like, great, great job, idiots. Great job. <laughs> I'm all for it. I mean, the Padres <laughs> brand is just on point. That, that, that's just amazing. Just, oh, my goodness. Okay, segue. Oh, uh... <laughs> I think we the good bones we're talking about all the Giants have we went in the last year remember being like the Giants have a good offense that's going to be a productive offense and for the most part it was and this is the article that I still haven't finished but essentially not in the second half of the season they were averaging about four and a half runs in the first half and about four runs um in the second half, which, hey, it's pretty good. I think I have the numbers wrong. In any case, they dropped half a run and from the first half to the second half for whatever reason. And you look at the bullpen usage and what needs to happen late in games. You need to score runs just as much as you need to protect leads, I would think. You need to add on where you can. And so I guess my question for this article, but really to the, to the panel, is, you know, you talk about Jose Bautista. Don't you think one of the best ways the Giants can improve their bullpen is by by improving their offense um, and looking for one opportunity which they might be able to better afford than whatever the reliever markets turned into. Finding that guy, finding that one year deal that they are so good at doing um, to fix some to fix one of their offensive issues. But I say that going, I still think Mac Williamson is worth starting the year with. So then, if that was was the case are you you're not really there's not really a lot you can do to change the the lineup so i guess i've talked myself into what are the giants going to do about the offense (laughs) (laughs) no i i think it was unfair to ask cassia to hold so many one-run leads and that adding on because it seemed like if the Giants had a one-run lead, that's when Casilla would give up a run like an idiot. No, but I mean, it's like it seemed like it was unfair to ask him to keep doing that over and over again. And I think, yeah, I think that's totally right. You you fix the lineup to give them those kind of add-on, tack-on runs that give the bullpen a cushion. And I do think there's something to be said about the way a bullpen can spiral together. And when things are going bad for one guy, everyone else kind of clenches up a little bit more. And it just it's, it's kind of a death spiral. And I think more runs would help that. I think more runs would stop that before it starts. And Casilla gives up a run and Teehee, it's no big deal because we got two runs in the top of the ninth. Um, so I, I do think there's something to that. You know, I, I would think that, but then I remember the Baltimore game, and I'm like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no they, were, they tried. Oh, that game sucked. Well, in the <laughs> aggregate of, of a whole season or a half season or whatever, what have you, you'll have, you're not going, even if the offense, or excuse me, even if the bullpen was exactly as bad as it was last year, because the whole thing is they can't be any worse. So let's just say they're exactly as bad as they were last year. Even if that's the case, a, a slightly, not even a slightly better, yeah, a slightly better offense. I was going to say a way better, just a slightly better offense. Maybe out of out of maybe that September is not quite as disastrous as it was, 
and maybe that game against the Cubs doesn't quite turn out the way it is just by having the potential. But, I mean, how many times did the three of us, not not to mention the rest of Giants Twitter, how many of us did made the joke that, like, oh, the Giants are down by a run. They just need five singles to take the lead. And it's been, that's basically what the offense is. As, as fine as that can be over a full season, there are times when it would be nice, when it would be like, you know, that was the – to me, that was the utility of Michael Morse. You know, he'll crush a mistake, and the best the Giants can do is – hit a hard single up the middle on a mistake for the most part. I, it, there's a part of me that I, I know logically what Mark Trumbo and left means. Like I get it. Like he's not good out there. He's been tried. He's not a national league player. It's just a disaster, but I want to see that kind of hitter just in the middle of the lineup, just to like 40 times a year, just boom. There's don't worry about hitting another single. I've got this. I'm just going to hit it over the fence. And I, I want to know how that plays sort of sequentially with all the singles, uh, occasional doubles hitters that the Giants have. I just I I want to see how it affects the flow. Yeah. So that's kind of my pitch. But again, it kind of gets back to I really think Mac Williamson. I mean, I know Bochy's just going to play a straight platoon if they wind up not getting a free agent. It'll be Williamson and Parker, which is pretty absurd considering that Mac Williamson has a reverse uh, career platoon split, but whatever. Um, <laughs> no one pays attention to that, nerdlinger. <laughs> <laughs> Except that they do, and it helps them lose somehow <laughs> this year. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I just think it, it's kind of that weird situation where I do want the Giants to try to get a bat, but at the same time, I'm like, well, they're actually in the position now where they somehow, we talked about this with Roger, Gasp and surprise, the Giants are actually better at developing position players right now. Right now. And that is where there's strength. So I would hate for them to kind of ignore that uh, on the outfield. Uh, they certainly aren't on the infield. So an interesting dilemma. But I would, I would agree that Jose Bautista for four years is a, is a bad deal. But a right-handed power hitter is, is a good idea for AT&T Park. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I think so too. But uh, real quick, the the homegrown player with the with the two the two homegrown players with the highest slugging percentage last year. Can you can you name him? Uh, Mac Williamson's got to be one. Oh, well, it yeah. can't be Wait. Buster Posey. I, I don't think Buster Posey slugged over three hundred. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, Brandon Crawford. <laughs> it's a uh, Brandon Belt. Oh, Bell. Bell was the best hitter. Bell, yeah. yeah. And Connor Gillespie. Well, yeah. <laughs> 440 slugging percentage. Trick question. Oh, I'm so cute. Um, no, but yeah, they need more power. No no more batting gloves, right? That's also the key. <laughs> I can't believe Connor Gillespie was one of the best hitters in baseball with 95 miles an hour plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, he's full of surprises. What happens is those batting gloves just slow you down. That's right. <laughs> it's aerodynamics. It's physics, you fools. It's physics. <laughs> it's also funny that he can hit a ball uh, that's three times faster than how hard he can throw a ball across the diamond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> so we look we look back at the season repeatedly. I don't think it's totally worth uh getting into it anymore but going into next year another part of to consider is i was asked by i think one of the baseball prospectus writers you know what's the deal 
why do the Giants reliever stats actually look pretty good, but why were they so bad as a unit? And I said, listen, once we start getting into numbers, unfortunately, I'm even dumber than when we're just doing verbal stuff. <laughs> so, verbal stuff being a key word of it, a key telling phrase there. But basically, you know, Bochi didn't Bochi did not trust his bullpen. And so he and Doug said this many times, like he didn't give the guys a chance to fail and essentially work through their problems. And I guess my I think he had the quick hook because Bochi really got into the whole matchups thing, which is a funny kind right. of double-edged sword of advanced statistics. I'm like, I'll just play the matchups every time, and I know I can get these micro-splits and figure it out and figure out what I need to do. Oh, I, you know, I've got this type of hitter coming up next. I'll bring in this type of pitcher, etc. My question is, uh, do we think that there's going to be some sort of reining in of that next year? Because you can't imagine that the bullpen's going to change too much. Maybe one, or maybe at most two new guys in there. But the main guys that who are, who are staying behind... You have to figure they're going to be trust. They're going to be counted on to fill the same or greater roles than they had last year, and so I guess the question is: Is it worth playing the same type of game with them? Well, I think they're going to lose. You know, they're Romo, and he had some pretty heavy splits against left-handers. I guess not too much last year, but you didn't trust him against left-handers, and you're going to lose Lopez, who you just could not play against right-handed hitters. Uh, you you maybe hope that Strickland figures it out against lefties a little bit. Uh, But I think the biggest thing he can do is sort of remember that Will Smith can get right-handers out. I think he really started to use him like a loogie when he was sort of the heir apparent to Jeremy Affelt, where you could use him for a full inning, use him for the full seventh or eighth. And and I'm not entirely sure why Bochi didn't like doing that in close games where the Giants were up. Like you would see Smith pitch a complete inning in games where the Giants were down or they needed some mop-up work. But I think having pitchers like that who you don't have to coddle, don't have to baby, more Derek Laws, fewer Sergio Romos, I think will help out a ton. And Casilla too, I mean, he wasn't obviously wasn't used as a platoon guy because he was a closer, but he was awful against lefties and has been for a couple of years now. So... Hopefully not having him around. Although, I don't know. Maybe they'll re-sign him. They do like bringing <laughs> guys back. Um, but hopefully that'll help. That would be rich. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even considered that. Thank you for giving me a new nightmare. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know. I, I think it's funny how relievers, you know, the prices are going to go way up because of how they're going to be used or what they mean for teams. But, I mean... I hope that there's like a majority of teams or or executives remembering that these are relief pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> at, I, at the end of the day, they are designed to fail. <laughs> yeah, I, I still have Canley Jansen dreams. I mean, I can't I can't get over him just because I think he's the kind of guy you can really like overwork in the postseason, and that that's the trend. And you, you guys know me; I'm big on trends. Uh, just, just really hip to what's going on out there, uh, and I think Jansen fits with that. I think he's coolest just, guy we know. You are, yeah, are. yeah. That's what I, um, you know. But I, it's weird because I look at the bullpen, and it's like if you play a, a, a word association game with me, it's like Hunter Strickland, pretty good. Like Derek Law, really good. Steve Nokert, like his potential. Will Smith, pretty good. Like I don't hate this bullpen. Like it's, it's the weirdest dichotomy where it's just like usually when you've got bad guys it's like Jim Poole and you're and you start like barfing like literally physically 
barfing up like like you were giving castor oil. Uh, this isn't that bullpen, and that's what gives me a little hope. But it also makes me think that I might be stupid. <laughs> well, we're all stupid. Yeah. <laughs> we are all incredibly stupid. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So I just I don't I could see slapping on one you know Mark Melanson and coming back with mostly the same bullpen and then actually working out just for, for some reason. Like Brad Ziegler, just slap him on the bullpen. And then the Giants come back and they're like not a great dominant bullpen, but okay, you know, a pretty good bullpen all said and done, which it, it seems like it should take a lot more work than it probably will. Oh, yeah. I think Isn't that usually the case with baseball? I, I mean, I remark at how many teams plan for like three or four years down the line and it's basically like two years later. They're they're up and running essentially. Um, we're all stupid. We really are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess does this season go down as like our one of our most hated seasons of Giants baseball, twenty sixteen? Yeah, I'm about to write the baseball prospectus essay for the for the book uh, in like a couple hours. I'm going to start it. It's it's due tonight. Anyways, but um, hmm. <laughs> no, I'm, but that's kind oh, of that's a lot of time you're giving yourself, Grant. <laughs> uh, no, but that that's like the um, that's like the theme is should I hate this season viscerally or were there like good moments? Do I remember the times that we had the brilliant times? I mean, there there were moments. There was you know when when Bumgarner pitched the complete game, uh, the, the shutout against the Diamondbacks to close out the first half, like. That counts still. Like we, I, I loved that team back there, um, <laughs> and there just there were enough moments sprinkled in. I, I loved that comeback against Aroldis Chapman with Connor Gillespie. That, that made me feel alive. You know, like it's, <laughs> it was just it was so fun. And the, the wild card game against Syndergaard, and like that's one of the best pitch games on both sides, and and almost in postseason history. It's like it was like a, a Morris Smoltz kind of thing. Like how much weight do you give that because that stuff was fun it then there's just the other stuff which was garbage and i hated it and i really hated writing about the giants a lot this year a lot more than i've ever hated writing about the giants and isn't it i mean one of those strangest things about the season is that angel pagan did not have a great season but he somehow played the entire season and <laughs> was not so was not bad enough to be pointed out as like god damn it be better <laughs> he, he there was a real fine line that he he threaded it was it was pretty impressive i mean it was uh you know he was okay he was uh for a while he was there he was barely like, okay there for a while there he was like their best hitter though he was yes. like, you know 300 at some point in the way later than you might think it and then you're like, well, this guy's actually kind of good. And then he would, you know, eat his own shoelaces in the outfield. And he'd be like, oh, this guy's the like, how how were you a center fielder last year? You were you were terrible in the outfield. Like he was he was like sub Ishikawa sometimes in the outfield. Yeah, I, I can't fathom it because he seems to have all the tools of a baseball player and yet ex exhibits them about 42% of the time. <laughs> and we, we like watched him play like a pretty good center field in 2012. Like he was, yeah, like it worked. It made sense. He was out there in center and he should have been in center. And, and to see that in five short years later, just, just completely untenable as a left fielder in a, a, a left field that's fairly easy to play. Um, it, it, it was shocking. Yeah. 
I mean, Michael Morse and Travis Ishikawa played out there. Pat Burrell. It's like the Giants <laughs> have a Burrell. hard tradition of trash defensive left fielders. Well, you know, going back to like Pedro Feliz for a season. I mean, they 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 can stick people out there that make no sense. And, and you know, Pagan should have made sense. He's like ex-center fielder, can't handle center anymore. That's okay, buddy. We got your back. Just slide on over. And it was even weirder. Denard Spann, I mean, he was uh, basically non-existent. Uh, except for a couple of of uh, signs that would make you not want to pull the plug on on him, he was basically in a vegetative state for for the for most of the season. Um, he didn't. Maybe with their new base coach alignment, there will be more stolen bases. But we didn't see any speed. We did. I mean, he took pitches sometimes. He he did the very he did the bare minimum of being a leadoff hitter most of the time. Uh, defensively, I would say unremarkable with occasional head scratching. Uh, I, but you know, the balanced out by those solid times, you know, you kind of go down the, the, this, I'm just talking about this year. I'm not trying to project into next year. Um, you know, Hunter Pence, uh, once he came back, it it seemed like he was done. That's what it definitely, how he played. Like once he came back from his injury, it seemed like, Oh, he's an old player. And, and this (laughs) is it. It's, it's over. And then Brandon Belt was just like, hey, guys, I'm really good, but I'm not a 30 home run hitter. <laughs> that, that's not happening. Just, I just want to let you all know um, not, I'm not doing that. Um, and I will, go on, I will go into a month-long streak where I don't know what game I'm playing. <laughs> He's like, look, I gave you Splash 69, and an art space like, I gave you Splash 70. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when when Belt made the All Star team, it was like finally, you know, he's he's an All Star now. He that's his level. You can't take that away from him, baseball. But and then, then baseball. he took it away from himself. <laughs> <laughs> he put himself in the timeout corner. Yeah, <laughs> he, he definitely has like a I do not know where I shall put these cream pies. You know, like the French <laughs> waiter, and like all of a sudden it's just covered in strikeouts. A very Clouseau esque <laughs> baseball, but yes. Uh, Brandon Crawford, I think, was probably year to year, you know, it's like, oh, he's really good and he's just good now. Like that's – I was fine. The idea that he would carry the offense sort of how he did um, in 2015 in stretches, you know, I don't think any of us expected that this year. And he didn't fall off a cliff in, in 2016. He was great. Joe Panic seems like the jury's still out on him. That's – I guess he's one of the best defenders in the National League. There's that. But, Officially, but, yeah. Yeah, but beyond that, uh, offensively, you know, I think the Giants are hoping that he's that he does bounce back. And then, like I said, with, with uh, Nunez or Gillespie, unless Gillespie's totally <laughs> dislodged him there because of the hero moments, you know, I think Nunez started rough and, and kind of came on strong um, towards the end, and I think he'll be a nice hitter for them to have. Um, and, I do you know, think... I, I do think that. Uh, oh, sorry. Were you making a grand uh, a point, or should I? No, I was just going down the line. Please stop me and say because I, I just reviewing the players for this year as to why we hate them. I'm like, well, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hate Nunez. I didn't hate Crawford. Uh, Panic. I was like, oh, he's he might he might just be a utility guy offensively. Who knows? I think um, that that's where I was I was gonna jump in because I think Panic was legitimately unlucky this year because everyone gets to point to batting average on balls and play like it's their pet stat whenever it's convenient and it's ruined it for guys like panic but I, it, my eyeball test told me 
man, this guy's getting hosed. Like, it seems like every time he'd hit a hard ball, it would, it would find a glove. And you go to his batting average in balls and play, and it was like 240 or, or something like that, um, like 100 points below where it's been in the past. And so the stats there matched up the eyeball test. And so I'm bullish on Panic at least not being that bad again. I think I think he did hit into a lot of awful luck. Did he hit it to DJ LeMahieu a lot? Yeah, exactly. It was, it was always like Aaron. DJ LeMahieu was playing every game at every position when Panic hit. God, I hate those guys. Oh, I'm holding my nose like like kid from Days Confused. Oh, Panic. Oh, I hate that guy. Well, okay, and and uh, and then just you know, Buster Posey's played half of his career, and he's he's crossing into thirty now with the catching and. You know, has lingering issues, and and it feels like the Giants. Or he had lingering injury issues this year, and the Giants really couldn't afford to give him the time off, uh, or play him at first base a lot for whatever reason. Um, and so that was interesting. But you know, I we can't hate Buster Posey, but I've said this before. I think it's probably not wise to rely on him as the center of the offense, uh, right. as as great as he is. And so that's kind of, to me, that's another reason why I hate it this year. Because, man, isn't it just easier to be like, Buster Posey's the best player on the team. He's one of the best players in the entire sport. He's the center of the offense. Yeah. So I hated this year for making me go, no, 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 he cannot carry this team. They need help. Right, right. I think, I think that's fair. It was very convenient to just have your best hit, hitter be a catcher. And just like it solves so much in in one roster spot, just that guy is so much better than anybody else in the league at what he does. And now it's sort of like, well, he he sort of hit like a Jonathan Lucroy. You know, it's it's like he's not in that rarefied air. And I think you're right. I think you you can't rely on him to be the centerpiece of the offense. If if he is your best slugger, your lineup probably isn't going to score as many runs as you like. Well, that's exactly what we saw. Um, and then the pitching, I think. It's pretty amazing in the history of baseball. Let's just take Giants, not spe- specify the Giants, but how often does a team go out in the offseason and address very specific needs and then their thing works out in the next <laughs> season? It's It doesn't happen all the time. It's like, you know, there was famously that, you know, that Sports Illustrated cover of you can never have enough pitching and the Yankees had like seven or eight all-star pitchers or something. And I think the season ended with three of them, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, or they're, or they're really bad, the other half. Um, and that that's the one that immediately comes to mind. But essentially, the Giants had gaping holes in their rotation and they plugged them in with two really solid guys. They got really good performance uh, from in two other spots to the point where, you know, they had a really good starting pitching staff at the end of the year. And who you could have seen that coming if you go if this goes as planned. But beyond yeah. that, you you didn't you you were not entirely sure it would go as planned, but it did. <laughs> Imagine in, in June, you weren't entirely sure that would go as planned. That's true. That's a great point. Yeah, there was there were some hiccups. I mean, that's for sure. It, but imagine like last offseason, if the Giants signed Zach Greinke and then the next day came right back over the top with a with a, a big contract signing of Mike Leake. Like you would have been like, wow, the Giants, man, this this rotation is a strength. And there's so many different permutations where they could have just soiled the bed and it would have been. <laughs> awful and then (laughs) then they come out of it like you know they make a very painful trade that looks pretty forward thinking right now and they're they're entering next year with 
the rotation is like the best part of the team. Like that's that's the part that should make you the most excited about the Giants is, is they've got a front four that looks like a legitimate postseason sort of front four. And, and uh, who knows about Ty Block, but as him in the back and Suarez as well, you feel like, oh, the Giants have five good starters. Like, just average it out. That's five five arms. Every day you feel like the team's got a chance to win. It's not Jake Peavy back there where you're like, I hope he doesn't have uh, give up eight runs in the first inning again. <laughs> if he can just get through five, giving up three runs, I think we're in good shape. Right. Remember when he had like his first four starts, he had a, a two whip and a 10 ERA. <laughs> I mean, and, then we, and then we like found out that he, he had a bunch of money stolen from him. And then after that, he actually was OK for a stretch there. And but it was just, uh, yeah, I, I think that's that is a that is a great point, Grant. And that actually takes the sting out of how much I hated 2016 uh, <laughs> because it set up 2017 so well. Um, actually, the next couple of years, except if, when they lose Cueto, that's going to be rough. But <laughs> that's going to stink. I mean, it's like you—you you don't want to give a huge, stupid deal to a pitcher, any pitcher. But that's really going to stink because we're so fond of him now. Like he's—he's <laughs> he's so fun. Yeah. Uh, Doug, yeah. do we have any Twitter questions this week? We do. It was—it was not a lot, but there were a few. Some of them were from like two weeks ago when we asked for them well people's uh, attentions were distracted the last week or so that no that's that was not a complaint because uh, this this would have been a much a somehow worse podcast if we'd done it a week ago well what happened well, <laughs> uh leonard Cohn died oh man everybody knows that <laughs> oh the future leonard code human um, Apparently Monday Night Football is bad now. I don't know. Who watches football? I really don't. I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm not doing it to be like a cool guy, but I don't watch football anymore, and I can't tell you how little I miss it. I promise. No, you, I the know. Last, Incredible. The last football game I watched from start to finish was the 49ers losing the Super Bowl, which to me was like a perfect in my mind series finale to football because the 49ers <laughs> losing. The Super Bowl, to me, is like, okay, they're not the 49ers anymore, so football doesn't make any sense, so this is over. <laughs> the, the, that, that play should have, like, ended before the snap. Like, it, it just would have been like the end of the Sopranos. It would have had to go through life. Like, when he drops back, it just freeze frames and then fades out. <laughs> That's it, yeah, just no, no fade to the end zone, or maybe he did throw it. I don't know, it's up to you, the viewer. And then the sound of the crowd cheering slowly fades out, too. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right, Doug, what do we got? Okay, so Samurai Panda at Hawkage Panda asked, if you had to match up Warriors players and Giants players in a best friends buddy system, who would you match with who? <laughs> oh, man, that is good. You know, I, when the Warriors won, I shoehorned in some relevant content and tried to describe all the Warriors uh, in Giants terms. And I can't remember exactly who is whom, but um, I think Draymond would teach Madison Bumgarner how to yell more effectively. And maybe there would be, you know, instead of just yelling at Puig, maybe take a swipe at his nuts. Um, <laughs> you know, there could be some sort of exchange of tactics. And and I think I think Draymond and Bumgarner, they, they have the fury together. And I don't think you want to pair fury with uh, repose. I think you need 
just pure fury to bounce off each other. So I'll, I'll go with that one. That's a good one. Yeah, double yeah. down on the fury. Yeah. yeah. Just be ticked off at the world. <laughs> uh, I'll pick Brandon Belt and Clay Thompson. Let's get the uh, let's pair the aloof the aloof uh, talented people. Oh, they uh, are together. so both of them, and they are both very specifically goofy. They even both look goofy. Um, so, so I'm gonna. That's it. I'm just gonna go with that. Also, incredibly talented and prone to streakiness. I think that 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 pairs nicely. Prone to being misunderstood too. Oh, and that too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I know Lopez is gone now, but I'm going to go with him and uh, Andre Iguodala. I think they could have some really deep conversations just about life. <laughs> I can see that. They would just uh, that. That's a podcast I'd listen to. <laughs> I also think Andre Iguodala would be a good Lukey. Yeah, I think he could do it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I've only had a pitch like for five minutes every five days. That's right. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> yeah, I can hang with that. Yeah. yeah. Are there any, like, I feel like, all right, so who would the Cueto be? I mean, is there someone who's just taking pictures of horses and, uh, and ball pits and loving life on the warriors? Yeah, is there anyone jovial and fun on the warriors? Jovial. Um, I think Bogut used, you know, when he was on the Warriors, he really, it seemed like he had a lot of fun making fun of social justice warriors in the podcast. <laughs> like, I think there was, there was sort of a gleam in his eye when he just, he wanted to rage against the matriarchy that we're all being impressed by. That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but in order to be a rim protector, you have to, you have to be against social justice. That's the most effective form of rim protection. Oh man, now that's I'm why dogs let them down. I'm picturing like an '80s style uh, PSA where like Bogut's like, "You might know me from protecting the rim, but I'm also <laughs> keeping untoward ideas out of your head." I mean, that's his accent. I'm assuming he's it's not Australian. It's more like a Brooklyn, but I don't do Australian. With like a really bulky leather jacket <laughs> and a chain of some kind. Oh yeah, plain white t-shirt underneath. You've, you've got my you've got my vibe. Are there any Kerr Bochi similarities? No. Because it seems like rotations slash platoon splits that there's at least some crossover there. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I think about uh, Bochi as being very uh, smart baseball wise and maybe personality wise on a one to one basis. Whereas like Kerr, I want him to be the president. Um, like I, I just like Kerr as a huge, as just a person, just a thoughtful, uh, interesting sort of mind. I, 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 I kind of see them as being in two different spheres. Um, and not that I don't want to put Bochi down. Don't get me wrong. I, I think his smarts impress me more from like a baseball standpoint. And maybe, maybe that's because I, I'm more X's nose on baseball than basketball, but like Kerr, I just, I just love unconditionally. And I, you know, want him to come over for dinner. I guess Bochi, well, that would be a lot of fun. Kerr would uh, have to be a president from bed because of his back, like f- five months out of every year. Right, right. <laughs> Look, if, if Roosevelt could do it, Kerr could That's do right. it. That's right. Bed president on Netflix. <laughs> bed president. <laughs> Greenline it. Screw it. <laughs> What's the thread count on these sheets? <laughs> <laughs> That I that show will happen. YouTube Red. <laughs> uh, all right, Doug. What else have we got? 
so uh, Rob Hayner at Robert Hayner asked, who do you like for the for the fifth spot in the rotation? Kane, Block, Blackburn, BD, someone else. Well, clearly, I think it's got clearly you know, right now, right? Yeah. I mean, are we being too judgy over like two well-timed starts at the end of the season? Or, I mean, I guess I look at, at what he did in, um, in Sacramento and I, I just think he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's got it. He's got the location for some reason. I can't quite flesh this theory out, but I think the, the hyper strikeout league somehow is going to play into the low strikeout arms like block. Like I think there's some sort of way they can thrive even as, as the league is going more and more towards strikeouts, but I can't put my finger on it. So I'm, I'm just going to like say it in passing on a podcast. Well, Suarez, I mean, I, I feel like Suarez still is worthy of consideration too. I mean, he didn't do anything to lose a spot really. Um, and well, he so, was never that good. I mean, that's what he did. He didn't, right. he didn't make them keep him. That's a that's a fair point, um, but I I guess I could see why you know Block's utility is you know he he's good against the Dodgers, and I'm not saying that because he was good against the Dodgers, but I'm saying their best hitters are left-handed, uh, save Justin Turner if he comes back, um, and I feel like that might weigh into it in some way that the fifth spot might be maybe a little more matchup dependent that they might try to use it that way just because it really seemed like this past season they got really into they got really obsessed with the matchups that it might extend to the starters i I feel like it it won't my my guess is that it's going to be more of a know your roles kind of thing and that they're they would rather have that especially for someone like block who they don't want to who it's already hard enough to succeed in the majors when you're just coming up you don't want to put that on him too that sometimes you'll be a starter sometimes you won't You'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> so you think they'll buck they'll buck both trends. They'll buck the trend that they were on, and then they'll buck the trend uh, of the sport, which the playoffs showed. Like you don't need a starter; everyone pitches a third of an inning. Like <laughs> that's. I mean, that, the thing about the World Series is that didn't really work. Like those relievers gave up runs seven games into a series where they had a lot of off days. So right. those guys to say that's passed. a good thing to do in the season is probably not going to happen. Andrew Miller was so tired by the end of that. Like it made me tired watching him, <laughs> watching him throw a slider after slider. Like his, his, you know, he's probably sitting at home and his wife's like, is that your phone ringing? It's like, no, it's my, it's my elbow. But don't, don't like, I just I picture him. It's just that thing. What just, do I, phones sound like to you, Grant? It's like a tuning fork, you know, just, <laughs> Right? Don't you have a tuning fork? Is your ringtone? Do people have ringtones? <laughs> but but uh, I, I he was so tight. So it was like, yes, you know, if the the Indians win in six or win in five, we're still talking about like a Super Bowl pen. And here's how you do it: you just work your best guy harder and harder than ever before, and it would have worked, and that would have been the new paradigm. But then you see what happens if it's stretched out just enough. And I think it would have happened to the Dodgers too. You know, you get them in the world series and by the end of it, you were just going to have, you know, essence of Clayton Kershaw, not the, the real thing. And you're just going to have like a gaseous form of Kenley Jansen and not the, the actual corporal form that we were expecting. So I, I, I think Gasly Jansen. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Sitting right there. <laughs> Go there. Oh man. <laughs> um, so I, I think 
you know, you can't just stretch out your guys and, and make, you know, everything that much thinner of a soup. And I, I think that was the real lesson of the postseason. It might have been lost on us if we didn't have a seven game World Series. Which, you know, ha ha, <laughs> Cleveland blowing a 3 1 lead. <laughs> uh, also, trying to figure out who made more mistakes in that World Series, it certainly felt like Joe Madden did. And even though he won, I mean, it just seemed like. <laughs> no, it seemed like, especially because Francona's, Francona's mistakes were sort of forced. Like, he didn't have his second and third best starters. Right. He had to sort of improvise and go wild with the bullpen and hope it worked. Joe Madden did not have to do that. He just saw Terry Francona doing it. It was like, I just had an idea, my own idea that no one's ever had before. Uh, so you're saying he's more, he's like the muse to Francona's radio head. Like he's, <laughs> he's trying to be edgy and then you strip it away and it's just sort of like arena rock at its core. Muse, muse is the perfect band comp for Joe Madden. That is amazing. <laughs> that is <laughs> You know, he's just, don't get me wrong. I enjoy a good muse song. I think there's a craft to it, um, but it's... There's a talent to it. There's a sound. It sounds distinct enough, and you, yeah, yeah. I'm not necessarily agog with the innovation part of it. it and I, you know, Madden, I, I like Madden well enough, but uh, he, he did make some silly, silly moves, uh, you know, especially with Chapman, just... You know, ah, five run lead. Just you know, we're gonna we're gonna pitch you into the ground. Don't worry. There's is there a game tomorrow? There's oh game seven. Okay, whatever. Just keep pitching. Just you know, we'll figure it out for game seven. What's what's gonna happen? You know, blow it. Give up a home run to Rajay Davis. Like that's gonna happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Doug, you wrote a wrote a nice article about Rajay Davis. Um, I think there's. I feel like it's immature of me to say that I had the what if Rajay Davis had stayed in the team, stayed in the organization longer than he did. <laughs> that question certainly eventually went away, but it was interesting to watch him playing in the playoffs going like, man, whatever. Why did they cut the cord with him so quickly? They, they seemingly have held on to other players of seemingly lesser talent for a lot longer. But Alex um, Hinshaw is still in the 40 man. You can look it up. <laughs> Do you, do you know who? Do you know who they cut Rajay Davis to make room for on the forty man? No. Oh, I looked this up when I wrote the article, but I forgot. It is Emmanuel Burris? <laughs> the first time they called him up, it's like, well, we need to get this guy on the roster. Who's got to go? It's like the worst giant ever. <laughs> let's get rid of the player who will literally play for another decade after this. Right. Uh. I, I guess, but it goes back to which I forgot to mention. You mentioned the batting average on balls in play for Joe Panic. Like, obviously, the Giants. I think we know we trust the Giants enough to know like they're seeing what you're seeing too, Grant. Like they're like, no, he he's hit the, he's scorched the ball everywhere. If it weren't for DJ LeMayhew playing in every game somehow, <laughs> um, he would be he would be an all star hitter. So I, yeah, I don't think they're gonna panic either. Um, but. So I just go back to that. I'm like, there's something about him the Giants didn't like. Right. What what they saw in Emmanuel. What I want to know is, so knowing that I can accept that, but what I need to know is what do they see in Emmanuel Burris and what do, and, and Ari Adrianza that just fueled that fire for so long? I feel like the answer to that would just be Brian Sabian like looking at you and be like, sorry. <laughs> I don't think Brian Sabian's ever apologized in his life. <laughs> no, but he would for that. 
He should. It's good. He he gets to he gets to be ornery and not apologize for anything as long as he lives. You know, I, I agree. I've always sure. been a big Brian Sabian fan on the website um, from the very beginning, <laughs> and I just have to say, all you guys, now you see what I have seen the whole time. Negative Nellies. Just yeah, just gonna memory hole that oh, those whole pre you know, in two thousand nine I wasn't bitter about the offense or on base percentage or nothing. Oh my god, the offense if they oh my god, two thousand nine feels like a bigger missed opportunity than twenty eleven. Twenty eleven had a very serious injury that definitely, you know, sidelined uh, you know, it took the wind out of their sails. But two thousand nine was trending upwards and then they kept killing themselves oh my god <laughs> that season was was maybe yeah i gotta compare them now 2009 2016 like the the i think have i done this before it feels like i've compared even years before or odd years before i don't know yeah i, I liked what you did uh during the world series week saying like this this week in giant or this is what was happening on october 25th for the giants and it's it's we're ridiculously spoiled that we can go back and <laughs> have yeah. all this all this data to pull up. <laughs> I mean, wait, it's just I, it, it was something I had to slap together because I was on the road in in like I had no time to, to to actually put effort into a post, and so that was something I could just write off the top of my head. Like, what were we doing back then? Oh, look, it's you know Madison Bumgarner came in on a paraglider and and defeated the Royals with his bare hands, or you know whatever whatever happened. So. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty spoiled. And what do we do on this podcast? Talk about how much we hate the Giants in baseball. Hate them so much. So hate so much. So oh, my much. God. That's the best uh, part of being spoiled is I mean, totally <laughs> just have lo- no self-awareness. I love it. That's the thing. I don't. We didn't hate the Giants because they didn't win the World Series this year. You put it out there. This is the team I've hated, the Giants team I've hated the most. I think you put that, wrote that in August. Yeah, it was <laughs> – it's not supposed to you're not supposed to have that clear dichotomy of like you know we've secretly replaced this good giants team with the worst team in baseball let's see if they notice and it's like it's not supposed to work like that you're not supposed to have regression that lasts an entire half and it comes with the most frustrating thing a baseball team can shove in your face which is a bad bullpen because that is at the end of three hours and you're expecting you've you've enjoyed good things and you've said okay we've got this one and over and over again more than any other team and like what were those stats like they blew more saves than any team since like the 91 Mets or I mean just crazy stats like it's it was the worst bullpen and having a bad bullpen is the worst baseball experience. And so combined, that's why it was so easy to, to hate the Giants. Uh, you know, not really. Tongue in cheek, hate them, sort of hate them. I mean, not tongue in cheek, really hate them. Yeah, actually really hate them. <laughs> yeah, but not in a lasting way. Just like, you know, like you, know, you don't hate your dog when it makes a mess and where it shouldn't make a mess. I mean, it, that... Mike, was that an analogy inappropriate? I don't know, but it's... No, because they kind of did what dogs do, and they, they kind of kind of won back your love fully with how they fought in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and then they just wound up barfing it all up like, <laughs> like a dog would. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. An amazing dog. It brought me the paper and the slip. Oh, it's throwing up everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. There's puke now. Oh uh, God. Yeah. That blood. It's, it's just <laughs> rivers of bile and blood. It's not, not even regular dog puke. I, I, I just want to add this to the world series though. 
it is amazing to me, you know, watching Giants games, I think, especially this year, they are kind of a painful slog in a lot of ways, just with the pitching changes and all that stuff. But what we see, at least what I see watching versus watching other teams is I see control. I see someone who knows, who has an idea of what he wants to do. And the players are sort of, are more or less playing into what is expected of them. When I'm watching these other teams, I really feel like I'm watching these are people improvising by the seat of their pants and they really are more hoping it'll work than basing it on experiences of anything. Uh, in the playoffs, I feel like it, it was much more apparent than if I just watch a, uh, I don't, I would never watch a twins tigers game during the regular season, but just to give you an idea uh, of what that might be, you know, it's, it's sort of like, I think that's, we're spoiled in a lot of ways. Even when the Giants are bad, it's like, okay, they're bad by their very specific process. When other teams are bad, they can be bad for who knows why. <laughs> for, they have many ways of being bad and surprising and, and all that stuff. Um, you know, Bruce, Bruce Bochy goes to Hunter Strickland in this moment because he knows that he can't use this guy. Or he wants to see if he can get Strickland through this inning because he wants to use this guy for two innings. Whereas, like you said, it's with Madden. It's like, I have a five-run lead, and I remember when I was in the World Series last time, my team blew a five-run lead. It can't happen again. If we blow it now, we won't have a Game 7. I'm going to put in my pe- my best reliever. <laughs> Right. And that's it. And that's it. It's not like, what about tomorrow? I might need Chapman tomorrow, which is as important as today. I've got a four-run lead. Maybe I should try to mix it in with a fresh arm here so I don't have to use Chapman for as long if I need to. So I I don't know. Uh, we're, we're very lucky. We're very spoiled. And we hate the Giants. <laughs> uh, I'm like excited and I look at this roster and I think about what needs to be done in the offseason where it's like you know get a reliever get maybe an outfielder or a fifth starter I don't know you've got options and I love this I like the way this lineup looks and I'm looking at these names these same names that that just rankled me you know like yeah I, I think span might bounce back and panic I think was unlucky and like you go through the whole roster and it's Am I like being naive? Am I being stupid? Am I being too much of a fanboy? Like I'm optimistic again because of those good bones like you were talking about. I think my only real concern for the roster is that Hunter Pence really does need to be like a 2025 home run guy. And I don't think Hunter Pence can play an entire season anymore. And so that worries me in terms of sunk cost and position and, so I don't know. I mean, if the Giants boost their bench, maybe uh, if if that becomes sort of, you know, because that's always been sort of a the last few off seasons, it's been sort of a last minute fix it. And then we get to situations like this year where despite having Grant Green and Ramiro Pena uh, kind of filling in able, uh, capably, then all those guys got hurt. There was really nothing sort of left, and Connor Gillespie was the only good guy off the bench, and then he wound up being their offense essentially in the postseason. Um, I, I, I'll throw a bone to Kelby Tomlinson. Uh, you know, him being hurt hurt more than than I would have expected, and then him sort of being memory hold in, in Fresno or Sacramento because of roster concerns. Uh, you know, and then he came back and he was he was okay. Like I think Tomlinson can be okay, and I, I think. Okay is what you should really hope for off a bench. I like your Trumbo idea, though. 
just because it's 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 a big question. We know what won't work about it, but yeah. what would work about it? I know why it's stupid, and I still mm-hmm. just well, I don't know. Maybe the dingers will, you know, I, maybe just in that specific permutation, like that's the difference between the Giants underperforming their Pythagorean record every year, and all of a sudden it's like I don't know why, but they're they're performing better than their Pythagorean record. And it's just like sprinkling those dingers around at just just the right times might be the the, the secret key, but I, 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 by accident he'll hit thirty home runs, which would be the first Giants hitter to hit thirty home runs in what ten years, eleven years since Bonds. Yeah, that's, yeah. So just by accident, <laughs> <laughs> that's got to count for something. Now, um, Doug, are we out of questions? Uh, we have one more. It's uh, will the Giants sign Daniel Nava and Brad Ziegler before or after Christmas? What a perfect question to end on. Exactly. <laughs> who, who, whose question is that? Is it, was it every six day? That is, no, that is from Steve Svensson at Svensson19. Oh, man. That's, those are the, that's a perfect Giants pairing. <laughs> it's a very Giants Christmas is what that would be. I mean, I, Brad Ziegler, it just seems to me, because there, there are some big, scary, big money teams looking for premium closers. And so you've got the Dodgers, the Cubs, and the Yankees all looking for like a big closer guy. And if those big closer guys don't necessarily want to come to the Giants for whatever reason, the Giants are going to have to look for a different option. And so that would be Brad Ziegler. And that's, he, that's just a very Giants closer. It, it, doesn't it see? I mean, I guess because it's been uh, the last power closer we've had was was Wilson, and so it just seems like Casilla is more location uh, than stuff. And you know, certainly uh, Roma was more you know getting people to swing and miss at the junk. Uh, so I, I can see Ziegler. It just it just it just fits, even if, if it would be a little disappointing. It would play into your idea that uh, the higher strikeout league would actually help the non-strikeout pitchers, though. Um, so there's that. Um, I, I think Daniel Nava would be perfect. He's a switch hitter, right? So he blocks Williamson and Parker. And <laughs> I think he, that's perfect. So <laughs> he's, he's a local kid, too. Uh, he's he's uh, what he, Redwood City, Mountain View, something like that. Oh, yeah. That's so, right. so, yeah. It, I, uh, looking up his oh, – uh, he had a 65 OPS plus last year. Is that good? Yeah, yeah. Anything uh, – Anything That's over an art span. Anything was, over point five is great. Also, now, like, with the Royals, it was negative seven. So when you get to negative, it's looped back around to being good, right? <laughs> All you have to do is add it to an or is uh is subtract a negative from it, and it becomes a positive. Yeah, where you you multiply it by itself, and it's really positive. That's right. So I I don't see a problem with that. Man, he'll be 34 next year. This is the perfect giant sighting. My goodness. Right, Although Bobby Evans has sort of not followed the pattern we expect. He has not really done the Brian Sabian moves. And I uh, think uh, he's a lot more autonomous than I thought he would have been. I thought he was just going to be an extension of the Brian Sabian era. But it feels like he's, he's bringing his own thoughts, his own rubber stamp to the table in a way I wasn't expecting. When the move happened, it seemed like it was almost ceremonial. Like, oh, Sabian's just going to... Uh, to take a step back from the visibility part, but I think I think Evans is his own kind of beast, and it's it's interesting to watch. 
Not too surprising because Evan's been there to like 22 years himself. So, yeah, but that, which I think I always forget that. It's like, oh, he's been there for a very long time too. But that's why I thought he was going to be more of more like an extension of the Sabian era. Insofar, like I just thought he was going to, like I, I figured they were finishing each other's sentences already. Like I just thought it was one of those things. Um, but no, he's he's his own cat with his own ideas. All right, so we've we've done this. This is our 46th podcast when it goes up. I think it's our 42nd like official episode. We've had some special editions or extra stuff that I just turned into another thing. And, uh, and you know, I, I like to look back and get sort of like a, a performance review of, of things. I always fail them. So I'm not <laughs> expecting anything different here. But, uh, Grant, since we have you on the show sure. now, I, I guess my question is um, – uh, were we amazing or just fantastic? Ooh, that's awkward. Cause I gotta be honest with you. I, <laughs> I don't think this can go on oh. much longer. Um, I think you had your shot. I mean, it's, it, we had a, we had a, we had some good episodes though, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the bad besides part, the ones with you in it. No, I was I gonna mean, say the bad part is that you had to get me on to kind of lift up the tenor of the of the site. Um, I mean, I had one with the I heard one with that Ruben guy. Uh, he was okay. He was okay. Like when you when you were just riffing, just you and him. I mean, it's like I felt like there was a chemistry there that you don't normally have on the McCovey Chronicles Croncast. Um, so maybe so when so not talking about baseball. Yeah, yeah. So, so, oh, I was, I was taking that as so when I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you had to like a thread of commonality, it, I, I guess you weren't there for a lot of those types. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, no, so more Ruben, less me and Doug is what I'm hearing. You know what? I think a good contrast would be Ruben, uh huh, and Roger, and Roger. Like those two guys playing off each other. I mean, and, you know, and Jen McRamos is great. So maybe uh, get her, her and Ruben with like Rogers, like a sideline commentator kind of thing. They would just swoop in with prospect news. Um, <laughs> They're talking about, oh, my car broke down. And like, whoosh. Yes. Did you hear that? <laughs> I, I think it could work a lot of Wait different ways other than this specific format, which is ah. clearly dead and didn't really work. So, so we're done is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I, I don't see, I don't, I don't see there's any future in it really, like a podcast. Anyone even listen? Well, I mean, kind of step up and say what you're saying. Let's talk about what you're talking about. All right, I gotta let you, I gotta let you go. Specifically, Brian, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta cut, cut the cord here and just, uh, you know, take it a day. I mean, honestly, you, did you see the stats for this podcast? Like the kids aren't listening. I mean, we put all those Cialis ads in, <laughs> and that didn't boost the listenership at all. <laughs> I mean, we yelled separate bathtubs so people would know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the thing with, with radio ads in Cialis. Like, there's no visual rep representations of boners. So, like, 
you're relying on just voice alone and that you can't make a, a boner pill ad with just your voice. Cause there's no like big thick branches in the background outside the window or, you know, canoes being carried from one place to another. Um, <laughs> but I thought that boy sound effect was going to was sell the idea. It was a little too shock jock, a little, little too shock jock. So then this is it. And, uh, and we're done. And I'm, Gonna give my. I just want to let you know I'm gonna give myself a Hunger Games style send off on the internet with my picture and the fireworks. Then, if that's <laughs> if that's what's happening here, because I I feel like Doug and I put a lot of our our spare time into this, and we gave it we gave it 25 percent of our all. <laughs> we gave it 25 percent of the time, like half the time. That's right, and um, you know. I think at the end of it, we started as amateurs, and I think we, I think we ended as amateurs. But you know, I think we learned a lot. I, I mean, I, Doug was on KQED. Oh <laughs> wait, I think I started as an amateur and I ended as gutter trash. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 to be clear, that's right. You guys were on public, and you were on there before it disappeared. So that's even more historic. Yeah. Or um, that all goes away. <laughs> so, um, well, well, thanks. Thanks for being on the show and for putting up with us, I guess. No, I, honestly, I, I thought it was a tremendous season from you guys. And I, uh, I'm tickled that you guys had, had the idea to come up with a podcast and that it was so, so good. I, I listened to you guys on airplanes and stuff and, it, and I would like titter to myself on an airplane and that I don't titter easily on airplanes. <laughs> Well, you just have to sign up for the web access and get it. Oh, wait. Titter. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on, on the show. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for coming on the show so often. <laughs> and, uh, and, for, uh, and for, hey, for having such a great site that people in Los Angeles know about. Um, and people all over the place know about. So I think that's pretty cool. That's got to be cool, right? You started this site as like a Brian Sabian fan appreciation site, and it's turning into this whole thing. Yeah, it's you know it was just uh, basically to be a rah rah organizational fanboy thing, and uh, it still is. You know, all these years later, <laughs> except more people have have read it and heard of it. So good job, me. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Cody Ransom has a place of honor now because of your writing. So. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, I just thought of Cody Ransom. What a terrible way to end. Doug, we're signing off. So do you have any uh, last words or thoughts or, or grievances to air? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I'm, I'm just really sorry. Yeah. This is like the cause of cancer. The kids in the hall. Yeah. <laughs> sorry I caused all that cancer. <laughs> It's okay. My marrow's just low. (laughs) That was from Brain Candy. All right. So we'll end with stealing someone else's line. And uh, no, but we appreciate everyone who listened um, and told us about how poorly our audio was (laughs) and submitted questions, great questions. The whole season we got really good questions and, uh, and ideas for games. And everyone who came on the show... As I said, Grant, um, to goose our ratings every time. But also we've had Wendy Thurm. We've had Mike Farron from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, we've had Brian Srabian uh, from the Giants. Uh, we've had Jen Mac Ramos. We've had uh, uh, Roger Munter. Thanks so much for, for helping us out with the minor leagues and, and letting us know that there is hope. 
going forward <laughs> that there is hope the Giants can develop hitters now. Um, uh, I'm missing other guests. I know it for sure. But we appreciate everyone who's been on the show, who's listened. Our listenership's gone up every single time we've released. It's been really great to see. And um, and thank you to SB Nation for, uh, for letting us do this, too. Um, thanks again. And uh, we won't be back because Grant ended it. And um, <laughs> we'll enjoy the off season. We'll yeah. leave it open. We'll, you know, I, you come, come back to me in the spring and see if you still got a, a, a fever for this kid. All right. Well, if Daniel Nava's there, I mean, we got to talk about that. So. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Thanks, y'all. Thank you.